2: Welcome to the 197th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Mike Jasper, author of the new mystery novel, Finders, Inc., set in the North Carolina mountains. Jasper's other work, recent work includes unassisted living a screenplay and a lasting cure for magic the third book in his contagious magic fantasy series he's now working on a sequel to his rural fantasy novel family pack or the first book in an all new science fiction series stay tuned for my interview with Mike Jasper. Hello, it's Paul Kemp, host of the Guide podcast. Let me tell you about a tool that I'm involved with. It's called It stands for I Love Your Stories, and it's a tool to help creative writers get out of the habit of writer's block. Now, don't just take my word for it. Bloomberg and The Next Web have both written about this, and a lot of people are giving us awesome feedback. This is on Twitter. Jack says, I love, love, love the idea of what you've built. I can't wait to actually jump in. As a struggling writer, I really do need this. Heath Armstrong, a podcaster, says, dude, I love Eyeless. So go and check out ILUS i l y s. dot And if you go to forward slash PH, you'll get a 50% discount as a listener to this podcast, even though it's free for the first 3000 words. So thank you very much for listening. dot eyeless.com and go and start writing something awesome today. Welcome back to the reading and writing podcast. My guest today is Mike Jasper. I interviewed Mike before way back on episode two of this podcast. Mike's recent projects include Finders, Inc., a mystery novel set in the North Carolina mountains, Unassisted Living, a screenplay, and A Lasting Cure for Magic, the third book in his Contagious Magic fantasy series. Mike, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me back.
2: Sure. Well, can I have you read the first couple of pages from your new novel, Finders, Inc.?
0: Sure. Um, I'll read. There's a short prologue, but I'll just jump right in with chapter one. Chapter 1. Hank Johnson drove up a narrow, almost vertical road south of Boone, North Carolina at 825 on a snowy Wednesday morning in late March. He needed to pick up his partner Bim in front of Mossy Creek Apartments, which sat halfway up a mountain overlooking Highway 321. The tires of Hank's wheezy old Ford Escort strained for traction on the latest layer of snow as he worked his way up to Bim's place. And of course, By the time he'd slid and spun his way to the top of the hill, nobody was waiting for him outside. Most of the other apartments contained students from nearby Appalachian State, kids half the age of both Hank and Bim, and all of the apartments remained dark in the gray light of early morning. Unbelievable, Hank exhaled, his breath pluming in a cloud around him, but not completely unexpected. He shut off the car, popped open the door, and hurried across the parking lot. Leaving the first set of tracks in the newly fallen snow. Hank stood barely five foot five inches, and he wore chunky black glasses, now flecked with bits of melting snow, that partially hid his most prominent features his intense, dark brown eyes. His skin was a few shades darker than his eyes, a trait that had turned heads his way in a curious and sometimes unfriendly way for the past forty years here in this patch of the Blue Ridge Mountains. He rapped on the metal door, leading to Bim's ground-level apartment, switching his weight from one foot to another in his annoyance and anticipation. After three more rounds of knocking, Hank took a quick look around, checking for potential observers. Then he pulled a piece of wire from his coat and stuck it into the lock to Bim's apartment. The big man should have given me a key years ago, he thought, as he turned the coal metal knob ten seconds later. But that's Bim for you, stubborn as hell. Hank took one last breath of clean, cold air and pushed his way into Bim's apartment. The mixed smells of old food, dirty socks, and musty furniture hit him, along with a blast of hot, humid air. Hank tiptoed around piles of dirty clothes, crinkled magazines, soda cans, pizza boxes, and a bag of cat litter. Bim had a cat now? Hank didn't know that. On his way to the bedroom. A huge, new, flat-screen TV presided high over the room, its black rectangle of an eye reflecting the mess below it. Hank had hoped that a couple loud knocks on the bedroom door would be enough, but he ended up having to barge through that door as well. The heat was even more intense in here, as was the tangle of clutter, but the strangest thing was Bim's soft, high-pitched snoring. It sounded like a huge mosquito buzzing in Hank's ears but as he stared at the large mound of person buried under a striped, black-and-gold blanket in front of him, he felt a rush of relief. Hank worried that one of these days he'd find his old buddy not snoring, not moving at all, after Bim's overworked heart finally gave up on him. Bim had been big for as long as Hank had known him, and he was now easily over 350 pounds. The guy just couldn't stop eating, and he refused to exercise. Hank had long since given up sharing health and fitness tips with Bim, though. It was a losing proposition for someone who only seemed to want to gain. And I'll stop there. Great.
2: Well, if someone hasn't heard about Finders, Inc. yet, how would you describe your new novel?
0: Uh, it is a mystery, um, and it's kind of a, a buddy mystery featuring the two guys we just met. Um, Bim, who's a, kind of an oversized guy, um, a white guy who's lived in the mountains all his life. um, And he has some abilities that allow him to help his partner, Hank, find people that are missing. Um, So the story starts off as they're on their way to their latest case. And they're kind of on the cusp of of making it big. So the story is about what happens after they make their big break, and then all the things that kind of fall apart after that as more things go wrong in in the area up in the North Carolina mountains, and they try to resolve those issues. Gotcha.
2: Well, well, do you remember the original idea or impetus for for writing Finders, Inc.?
0: Yeah, I've actually had uh, the idea for, I think, almost over five years now, um, because it started off as a short story that I wrote for a workshop I was going to. And um, the story started off with a slightly different um, set of powers, I guess you'd call it, for a for Bim because I usually have to have some sort of supernatural element to my stories otherwise I don't seem to be interested. So uh, in that story, Bim would have to eat a whole bunch of the food, the favorite food of the person who he was trying to find. Um, So like in this case, the person he was looking for, her favorite food was Cheetos. So he would just gorge himself on Cheetos and then he would make this psychic connection to the missing person. (laughs) And that was fun, but I felt like for a novel and, you know, for a potential series, that would get kind of played out and kind of gross after a while. <laughs> Making my main character eat way too much food, and he's already big to start with. Um, so I moved away from that a little bit, um, but I kept the the same friendship with Bim and Hank and um, the same kind of settings. I really liked the... the the remote setting of in the mountains. And, you know, that's where I happen to live now. So it it worked out perfectly. It just took me five years to figure it all out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, if I'm not mistaken, finders Inc is your first mystery novel, correct?
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Um, My other stuff has been like, I've done a science fiction near future novel and I've got a series of contemporary fantasy that, you know, aren't necessarily mysteries, you know, in the classic sense, they're more just almost adventures. Um, and this is the first time I've even tried any sort of mystery and it's been a lot of fun. I got to do, you know, a bunch of fun research and research on the area, as well as reading more mysteries and research on, you know, police procedurals and so forth. So, so I enjoy it and I feel like I've kind of started to build a team around these two guys and it's, I'm excited to write some more books in the, in this series.
2: And and so that's your plan is to write more books featuring these two characters?
0: Yes, definitely.
2: Um, so, in preparation for, for writing it, did you did you read other mystery novels or kind of look at you know kind of the 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 form as it's currently being you know written?
0: Yeah, um, it all kind of started. The germ of the idea started way back uh, for a different workshop I was going to. Um, that was all short stories, and I remember reading this big thick anthology of mysteries. And after like you know the tenth murder. Um,
1: To craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Mystery that I had to read in a row, I was just like, I can't I can't stomach this. I guess I'm just a wimp, you know. So, I- I wanted to have these guys not deal with murders, but they're dealing with missing people because I kind of like to have some sort of happy ending, I guess, mm-hmm. to it. Um, so that kind of started the whole process of thinking, okay, well, instead of a murder, how can we you know, have different cases for these guys to solve? Um, but then I've become a big fan of uh, the Joe Pike and, and uh, Elvis Cole novels by Robert Craze. I believe that's how you say his last name. Yep. Um, and you know, any kind of like buddy... Uh, you know, two guys or a, two women or whatever combination—you know—where they're kind of opposites working together, and just that immediate conflict and that immediate friction is really interesting to me. Um, seeing them work together and work out their differences while still trying to, to solve a mystery.
2: Sure. Uh, well, well, what was the what was the writing process like for you um, on Finder's Inc.? Did you did you plot the entire novel before you sat down and started writing it?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I initially started writing it earlier this year and uh, just kind of hit a wall. Um, and part of it was I was trying to incorporate that initial short story I wrote five years ago. And it was just, you know, I was trying to force that into my my structure. Um, so I, I let that sit for a while and then I just restarted over again later this year. And I had it all kind of plotted out. Um, I knew how it was going to end. I knew how to get there. And I think for me that works. You know, other people... When they say that they have things plotted out, that they lose all interest in it. But for me, I need like that. I need that roadmap because um, I'll usually get up early in the morning and you know try to bang out a thousand words before I have to get off to work and get the kids off to school and whatnot. So I definitely had to have an outline. I can't pants it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mentioned earlier your novel, A Lasting Cure for Magic. Do you do you consider the Contagious Magic books young adult novels?
0: Yeah, I. I don't know all the different rules, you know, there's different, like, things that can happen in a middle grade middle grade novel or a young adult. Right. I kind of think of them more like kind of all ages, like, you know, everybody, whatever age, can enjoy them. They're more, you know, adventure. There's not, I think of them as a light PG rating. You know, there's definitely not PG-13. Um, sure, sure. There's not a lot of blood or and there's no swearing or obviously no sex. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they're appropriate. I think my ten year old, if I can get him to read it, you know, I think he would enjoy it. You know, <laughs> and I, I would feel okay with him reading it. Right, right.
2: And and so can you can you describe the contagious magic books?
0: Yeah, they're, they they're set in the Midwest, um, and basically there's uh, two twins, um, a girl and a and her brother, um, and they just kind of stumble into magic. And um, what they soon realize is if somebody uses magic close to you or uses magic on you, then you're kind of infected for a short term. And if you keep using it, you can continue to be magical and do kind of magical things. Um, So it's all about them figuring out how to use these skills and deciding if they want to keep being magic. But at the same time, they're being pursued by the the big bad guy um, who is this, you know, thousand-year-old sorcerer um, who's been kind of, keeping all of the the new, what he calls, like, wild um, magic users, keeping them contained uh, so they don't, you know, start World War III or, you know, uh, start another Chicago fire or, you know, another catastrophe. So he's he thinks, you know, he's doing the right thing by containing these magic users who've been newly infected. Um, but obviously the kids don't want to be, like, you know, have their magic removed from them or, you know, have get wiped off the planet you know mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of about their adventures and you know the brother kind of joins up with the the bad guy for a while and it's all about you know the choices that you make and you know who you become and what you want to do with the skills that you're
2: given right right well i know that you've self-published many of your novels as ebooks and and print on demand how has that self-publishing process worked for you
0: Um, It's a lot of extra work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And I kind of enjoy the work when I've got the time. Um, It it does pull time away from actual writing um, because it's taken me, you know, it took me a couple months to actually write and revise Finders, Inc., but then it's probably taken another month, you know, to package it up and do the copy edits and get friends to read it and input their edits and then, you know, put it into all the various uh, places because I do – Ebooks at, you know, Amazon, Nook, um, five or six different places. And each place has their own different requirements for what size cover and what kind of file, if it's EPUB or Mobi or whatnot. And I also like to make a paper copy as well, which I do through CreateSpace. Um, and I enjoy the whole process and I like having complete control. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm not really at the point now where I can start farming some of that work out. Like I still do the covers myself and, that's a challenge but I kind of like that challenge because I kind of get an idea of what I want to do and then I, I run with it but it'd be great to you know have someone with a little bit better design sense than, than myself to, to do sure. those covers but you have to pay for that
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so, so what advice would you have for aspiring writers who may be listening who would one day like to um, have their own novels and short stories published
0: um, it always kind of comes back to the classic you know not necessarily write every day, but, like, do something every day for your writing. Um, I know I've tr- I try to write every day, but it's hard to, like, fit all that in, especially if, you know, you're publishing as well, because there's just only so much time of the day. But, you know, I always try to do 15 minutes, even, or an hour um, devoted to your writing or your, you know, your writing career, whether it's, you know, doing some little promotional stuff here and there or. Learning a new skill, so you can learn how to make a, an ebook and upload it. Um, you know, I feel like as long as you're constantly learning and you're constantly trying to improve, you know, then you know you're not going to get stale and someday find success.
2: Sure, sure. What what are you working on now?
0: Um, right now, I'm, I'm I've got a couple ideas on the plate, and I keep kind of shuffling them around, trying to figure out which one I want to do. Um, the thing I'm kind of leaning towards most now is a sequel. I'm interested in getting another series on going up again. Um, And that would be the sequel to what I call my my baby werewolf (laughs) novel. Um, Mm -hmm. That one's called Family Pack. And it's basically about a young guy who's um, basically a single parent, and he's got a a six-month-old. And he's also inherited the werewolf gene from his mother. His dad's like a normal guy without the werewolf gene. So his mom's a werewolf, and he's a werewolf. And he's trying to figure out if his daughter is a werewolf or not. And he's not sure if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so in that novel, you know, they do find out that she is. And now I'm thinking for the second novel of uh, continuing their story. And, you know, what happens when you got a, a toddler who is a werewolf? And what interesting, <laughs> interesting trouble that she could come into and, you know, what he's doing. Because he's kind of working as a, um, he's working with the local detectives to try to find people. And my goal eventually some days to have these two stories connect um, where the, the characters from Family Pack would meet the characters from the Finder team. And uh, have like a big, you know, like in the classic DC Marvel thing where the, yeah. the Avengers meet the Justice League. Sure, sure. <laughs> it might be crazy. I don't know if I can make it work or not, but it's something fun to think about. Great.
2: And and you're already thinking about your next Finder's team mystery?
0: Yes. Yep. Yep. I don't even have a specific idea, but I just know that that's what I want to do very soon. Great. Enjoy that process.
2: Great. And so if someone's listening to this and they're interested in finding out more about you and your novels, how can they find you online? What's the best place?
0: Um, two places, actually. Um, the best place to start is just my website, which is michaeljasper.net. Um, but and since I wear two hats, then you can also go to unreckedpress.com. Um, And that's the the publishing side.
2: Great. And I'll have links to those in the show notes as well. So people can check that out. Well, again, again, we've been speaking with Mike Jasper. Mike's latest novel, Finders, Inc., a mystery novel set in the North Carolina mountains is available now. So go grab a copy. And Mike, thanks for doing this interview.
0: All right. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.